This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and your tushies do too. Huggies Little Movers is their best-fitting diaper ever with its curved and stretchy fit. Babies, no matter what kind of butt you've got, you'll feel comfy while your mushy little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers are curved with up to 12-hour protection against leaks. Get your baby butt in Huggies best-fitting diaper. Huggies Little Movers. We got you, baby. Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, and I'm not here with Big Goldberg. We're down a big guy. He is uh, he's getting ready for SummerSlam. He's off doing press and some more training, and uh, uh, WWE's got him done this whirlwind tour. And uh, if you guys have been watching and tuning in to like, the Monday Night Raws and stuff, uh, Gage is making a hell of a debut on uh, on WWE. He's getting a little bit of screen time and stuff up there, and they're making him part of the storyline. So when we go out this weekend to uh, to SummerSlam, hopefully we'll we'll get some some time with all of them. I know he's going to be kind of busy, but I think Gage is bringing out some of his friends and stuff. But uh, the uh, I think the Monday night event was in Texas, so Gage got to bring like his baseball team. <laughs> with him to see him as part of the storyline uh he's such a he's such a good kid and uh you know we've seen him we've seen him play ball and he's just a beast when he plays i i I, there's a real future for him in uh in baseball if he wants to do that although he just started football as well but uh listen if uh if baseball doesn't work out or the football i think he's got a hell of a wwe career because he's ready to throw down he's a big kid uh well i appreciate uh Having our friend Brad Fanshaw step in for Bill. What's up, Brad? How you doing? What do you mean the big guy's not here? Come on, <laughs> there man. he is. Yeah. Ah, you're looking jacked. <laughs> Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> uh, we missed you up at Monterey. I know. Took- you know what? Somebody, my phone was blown up. Hey, Brad, where you at? Where you at? Because I go up there every year, and uh, I didn't make it last year because of COVID, and I didn't make it this year because of work. So uh, next year, for sure. Okay, well, we'll see what happens with next year and COVID and work. <laughs> yeah, I know. Next year for sure, unless COVID and work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like this when you don't go. You get, t- you know, you're, you're crying, man. You, it's, you know, it is strange, though, Matt, because when you're there, you're in the zone, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might tweet or you might Instagram or whatever. When you're at home and you're not there, it's a totally different vibe because you're watching everything and you're going, oh, oh, I'm missing that. Oh, look at what they're doing. Oh, I would have been at that party. You know, it's a whole different thing. It it felt like fewer people overall. I think some people were still kind of concerned uh, or or like you said, just trying to catch up on, on work and stuff. I think the track was a little bit lighter than it has been in the past. You know, Quail and and Pebble seemed you know, seemed pretty close. I'd be curious to see what the numbers look like. You know, but the track was growing to some pretty big, impressive numbers. And uh, although there were a lot of people there, I didn't get a chance to kind of see who was in the grandstands. And I think when Adam was saying, he's like, yeah, there was people up there, just didn't quite look as full as it had been in the past but 
You know, overall, a, a great event. I know Adam will come in uh, this week, and he and I will do a show, and we'll get into more of that stuff. Uh, but there are a few things I want to go over. Let me, guys, let me tell you guys first about the uh, Craig Pocket Hole Jig 520 Pro. Uh, if you're into woodworking, it's now anyone can easily create perfect, strong pocket hole joints with the Craig Pocket Hole Jig 520 Pro. It's the most versatile pocket hole jig yet it works with a wide variety of material great for all types of indoor and outdoor wood projects and the craig pocket hole jig 520 pro comes with everything you need it has the drill and the driver bits a material gauge a craig classic face clamp the 100 craig pocket hole uh 100 craig pocket hole screws and a project plan and it just retails for only 99.99 so it's about 100 bucks it's available nationwide at home depot lowe's and other home centers woodworking and hardware stores i've got one actually it looks kind of cool i don't have a chance to use it yet i'm trying to find some wood around my shop to to get the thing to work most of what i do is isn't isn't wood but it looks pretty uh it looks pretty cool the uh you can build pocket hole projects anytime anywhere learn more at craigtool.com that's craigtool k-r-e-g tool.com all right so uh as we get into some of the monterey stuff there were a couple of significant announcements both at monterey and just in the past a day or so uh the big news of course is the official debut of the new nissan z we saw the z proto uh here in person we we participated in the initial launch right uh in nashville uh adam and i chris and i chris you were out there yeah we all went out there oh yeah that's right because we went to what was that restaurant went up on top of the bourbon bourbon oh bourbon on top of the that's a whole different podcast podcast. (laughs) uh was that last year yeah, Is that last. Yeah, because there, there were like COVID restrictions and everything. Yeah, remember, that's yeah. right. There were. That's right. But they it, it was a the, drive-in unveiling. We that's had a, right. Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was like a drive-in movie, but it was a big unveiling out there. So we saw the car. Then we came back here a few months later, and they brought the car to LA, and we got sort of a one-on-one tour uh, with it. But now the the official car has been debuted, and they simultaneously debuted it. They did it in in New York, in the same hotel as the original Z was debuted. And then it was also broadcast at the first day, I believe, of ZCon, which is happening in Colorado. When they said the Z Proto was about 95% of the production car, they were pretty much right on the money. By the way, I'm so glad that they didn't just use the yellow car for the debut. If you saw the blue car that they put out there, Brad, you probably saw the the pictures. Not only just the blue, but like a good blue. It's a really nice metallic blue. It's got a good, good coloration to it. And it's what you just said, Matt. That's one of the few cars that they debuted that actually looks like the production car. Uh, I mean, it's so close. It's so close. Yeah, it looks fantastic. And look, I, I know people are going to say, oh, it's a dressed up 370Z. And, and you know, by the way, we'll get a new Countach and people are like, it's just a more expensive Aventador. And I was like, my thought is, who cares? It, who cares? No, it's what, a lot more expensive Aventador. <laughs> yeah. <is, laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just like if there's enough significant changes and you like the way it is and there's been improvements to the car, both ergonomically or functionally and performance wise, like I don't know that we need 
an entirely new platform from scratch? Like, why waste the money on that? I don't know. It's just like up until a few years ago, every Mustang got improvements over the years, but it wasn't wildly different, right? Live axle and you know, it's just it, it wasn't front and rear fascias changed. You know, the headlights, just, the taillights. Yeah, it's uh, so I don't know. I feel like if the numbers come in with decent performance and it's fun to drive, and it it looks good, I think it looks good. So I, I don't really care what it what it's built on. But I, I will that, say that the styling on this, I like the bulgy rear fenders. I like the the, the overall styling. It really. It harkens back to the 240Z, but in a modern way, and I like it. And uh, and with 400 horsepower, that's that's even better. Yeah. So they talked about the 240, um, you know, the grill treatment that they did, which, by the way, slightly revised from the initial photos. You know, the big blacked out grill that you saw in the past. They added. Uh, there's different trim lines for it. They added some some gray in the front to give it more shape. And to show the the different uh, depth of it, so I think you'll like that a little bit better. Um, they took like '90s 300ZX kind of uh, uh, 300Z uh, tail lights, um, but Brad, as you mentioned, yeah, 400 horsepower. They're taking the three liter twin turbo uh, V6 engine uh, out of their Infinity lineup. It'll be 400 horsepower at 6400 RPM and 350 pound feet of torque. Uh, spanning the range from 1,600 to 5,600 RPM. Uh, it's basically the engine out of the Q60 Red Sport. Uh, you know, there's a few other there's a few other things that uh, that it, it's going to have. You know, the upgraded infotainment screen. It has uh, the great new gauge cluster with some data in there that you can configure, and it's got some analog gauges up on top of the dash. There's a little bit of a throwback thing. I think there's like an 8.3 and a 9-inch screen option for the infotainment. Uh, of course, you can choose between the manual transmission or the 9-speed automatic transmission. And because this is the engine, the only engine available as of now, uh, you don't have to get the junior car to get the stick, right? This isn't the Toyota Supra. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. I would expect low four seconds, zero to 60 times, you know, just being kind of, you know, you know, as lightweight as a modern car can kind of be given all the safety features and airbags and, and all that stuff. But I, I guess the big thing is going to be how is it going to perform around the track? I mean, it is meant to be, I want to say sports car, but – I think Nissan sees it more as a grand touring car, sort of a, a sporty GT car. Uh, I I think yeah, you you really think that because I mean it yeah. was always known as like a sports car, but you're saying it did bulk up. It did you know because of all the modern accoutrements. You know it's yeah. Uh, but, you know they they brought out their um, I don't know I think their COO as part of the presentation um, and. Uh, he kind of referenced it. I believe he referenced it as a as a GT car at, at one point okay. during the presentation. Um, by the way, a friend Cody Walker uh, who who emceed the event. Cody did a great job. He was with me in New York when we debuted the 370Z 50th anniversary car uh, at uh, New York Auto Show a couple of years back. And uh, to bring him in for this, I thought it was a really good move. He's a really nice guy, and he did a fantastic job. And the presentation, by the way. Short and sweet, about 20 minutes total, but they did a nice retrospective video at the beginning. You can still see it online. You can see 
it uh, I think on YouTube or even Nissan's press site, you can find it there. Uh, a great little presentation. They just went into the history of this car, showed some great filming of it. And actually, at the beginning of it, they teased the making of of the film that they that they created, which really kind of made it fun as well. So a little, you know, behind the curtain look at it. Uh, anyway, it's a cool car. It's going to be spring of next year. Um, I think it's going to be in the thirty thousand range and probably go up into the mid forties somewhere. Uh, the you know the new Toyota eighty six, which is you know revision there. I think that was meant to start at just under thirty thousand, so this would be like just a notch up. But yeah, significant difference, I would say. You know, you know one thing you didn't mention, Matt, was the interior looks damn nice. It too. does, yeah. So- yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, the way so they trimmed it out. We we got in it. We got into the proto that was out here, and uh, it seemed good. Like I fit in it well, but I can pretty much fit in anything. Um, but <laughs> but uh, uh, Adam got in it as well, and he seemed to fit. I don't think Goldberg's going to fit, but you know, I fit in everything. And he doesn't fit in anything, so that's just the way. That's just the way it works. Uh, so the other thing that I wanted to talk about was. We went by one of our favorite events of the year is the Acura event, the Acura party. They do a invitation thing um, uh, every year. It's at the same place, Carmel Valley Lodge, I think. And uh, they always do a great event. It's always fun to catch up with friends and people uh, in the Acura community. We It was no secret they were going to unveil – a new NSX, not a new platform, just a new special edition NSX, and it would be sort of the farewell car car to the current lineup. And they debuted the NSX Type S. And I went into this and tried to, you know, uh, pick the brain of a couple of insiders, and they're like, oh, it's going to be cool. It's a little bit of a facelift. It's going to be the same amount of power, and it's just going to be a limited edition, and it's going to be kind of, that's it. Well, um, they were wrong. <laughs> right. Uh, the NSX does look cool, but it did get a little bit of bump in power. It is now 600 horsepower and 492 pound-feet of torque. I know that's only 27 uh, horsepower and 16 above, um, but it it is nice to see you get that little extra power. You know, if you got the car or collected the car, you know, 20 years from now, it's nice to go, oh, you got the NSX? No, nah, that's the 600 horsepower version, right? Like you just oh, that's want... that's the Type S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want, you want a little bit of that. Uh, the... A little bit of a facelift on the nose, on the front fascia to it. And it's interesting. It's got a little bit of a Ventador in it. And I would say it's got a little bit of lichen. Do you know this car? This is the car that in the one of the Fast and Furious movies, I think in Dubai, where they jumped it out of the building into the other building. And, yeah. uh, and Vin Diesel picked up the front of the car, and he's like, oh, you get to work on it. I'll just hold it here. <laughs> and I was like, I hope that thing's all carbon fiber the engine's in the back. <laughs> uh, so it's got a little bit of that in it. Now, Brad, a question that you and I have asked on our podcast, Shift and Steer, many times over the years and never got an answer to was when you take one of these cars um, that is hybrid technology, it's got the, the gas engine in the back, electric motors in the front, and you start modifying the gas engine, how does the hybrid system 
adapt. Like, what happens? What do you do? Do you overpower the electric motors and blah, blah, blah? I sat down with, uh, with Dave Merrick, our friend Dave. Yeah. And started asking him about this. I think we asked him about it when the NSX debuted years ago. We did, yeah. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and now that we're years into it and guys like uh, a Graham Rahal performance and a few people have tuned it, he said, yes, what happens is it turns out his engineers, the engineers at Acura, tied in the hybrid system into the engine control unit, into the ECM. So when you modify the gas engine and then tune the gas engine for that increased performance, it automatically calibrates the hybrid system. That's basically oh, so how I explained it to me. So it compensates. It does, yeah. It, it starts to figure out uh, to be more aggressive in these areas and whatnot. Now, this is – I'm sure it's more complex than this, but this is how he explained it to me was, yes, when you tune the vehicle – uh, it does compensate. So here's an interesting point, though. We didn't get into. So he this. dumbed it down for you. Yes, we didn't get into in, into non-tuned modifications. Like you know, it's probably not enough to make a difference. Like first of all, the car itself, like a lot of modern cars, will adapt to different performance levels. What I mean is, is if you accidentally throw 87 octane in it. The computer will figure out what's going on and say, hey, yeah, we need, retard it. yeah do let's bring timing. back the yeah. timing, right? So it's already adjusting. There's, a, there's, a, there's some buffer, right, in, in the tune. So if you slapped on an exhaust and a couple of Kana and air filters and picked up nine horsepower or something like that, the car is just kind of going, uh, okay. It, the safety margins are usually not when you're – not to increase horsepower, the co- the car's not going to go. Oh, I I sense KN filters. Let's add seven horsepower. What it's going to do is say, oh, uh, there's bad fuel in it, or your air filters are clogged, and we're not getting as much air. Let's compensate. So those type of modifications, neither here nor there, unless you want to just change the sound. But when you want to increase actual performance and you tune the engine. You get into some of the ECU programming, it will figure it out. It starts to figure it out. Maybe there's some limit to it. I don't know if it's 600 horsepower Type S and you're, you know, you're taking turbos and downpipes and all kinds of stuff and and trying to make 720 out of it. Uh, maybe it figures it out, but it seems to be anyway. That was kind of the answer that I got from from Dave, which. I like. I like that they thought ahead because that's basically was like, yeah, we actually did think about this. <laughs> yeah, well, they've got to because if you look at some of the people that have always been enthusiasts of NSX, they want to modify the cars. You know, they're not the typical guy who just buys it and drives it on the weekends. They they really want to do some things. So they've got to think that through. I'm glad they did too. And they answered our question. And they answered our question. So uh, this car will come in around $200,000 if you want to um, – uh, basically, it's $171,500. If you want to spend a little bit more money, you can get the lightweight package, which is about uh, thirteen grand. It adds the carbon ceramic brakes, uh, carbon fiber engine cover, carbon fiber interior pieces, and uh, it actually does have a weight savings of about 58 pounds. I'm guessing it's mostly in the brakes. <laughs> yeah. The, the carbon ceramic brakes. Um, 
but it should be uh, it it should be impressive. Three hundred and fifty units will be made. Three hundred of them are in the U.S. and uh, there are some available. You can still uh, put in an order and get one of those. I I kind of dig it. I talked to Dave and I was like, Dave, I think I think this is the car you should get. You know, it's kind of a a really significant car in his career. You know, uh, right. Oh, and I'm just going to address this as well. People have said the NSX was a failure. Some have said a massive failure. They're like, it's not selling well. There's huge discounts on the car. I would I would argue this point. That's not why they made the NSX. The NXS, the NSX as a halo car was made to prop up the entire brand. And just because the car itself maybe didn't sell as well as everyone expected, that's not the benchmark for the success. If you go back to them and say, how did the NSX do? They'll say the MDX and the RDX did better than ever. Right, and, and that's and we're bringing back the Integra because of enthusiasm. That's right, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's where the benchmark is. If you said, "Hey, the NSX lost money," they'll be like, "No, it didn't," and we sold a shit ton more of our other cars. And yes, and then the punchline to this whole debut event, which by the way, really cool show. They did a a, a drone light show, and so instead of fireworks, they flew drones up there programmed and drones are cooler than fireworks yeah <laughs> right way cool that was a fucking cool display that they did they could spell out words and nsx and they had the accurate logo but then it kind of spun around like 3d in real yeah, they time had all the in lights, the air. they were all synced up it yeah was, it, was, it was so precise I don't, and beautiful i don't know how they do it on a windy day but <laughs> <laughs> but luckily the weather was perfect and the wind was perfect everybody at that party was just like stick around Make sure you stick around. We got something special later. Stick around. And, and, la- and the last time we did that, it, Jewel came out Jewel and played some songs. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, who's it going to be this time?" That's right. We were waiting for it. But when we got there, the place was configured differently. You know, where where the food normally is is where the cars were, and then the so you'd kind of look at the cars into that whole like valley area. I don't know if there's a golf course down there. They flipped or something. where the stage used to be. Yeah, yeah they exactly. flipped it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so as they made their presentation, and then as soon as it got dark, they're like, oh, we got something to show you. And they did this, uh, this cool drone light display. Uh, and, you know, Acura logo, NSX, you know, future, whatever. They spell out a couple words, put on the display. And then at the end, they're like, Integra. And I was like, oh, that's what everyone was waiting for, is they're bringing back the Acura Integra uh, and they put more emphasis on the performance side of things. They said the uh, the Type S, uh, the NSX, and the and the sedan. That's not going to be the end of it. So expect more, uh, which we do love. We we always kind of liked the performance side of Acura from back in the day and what they're doing now. Uh, so anyway, cool stuff. That was very very cool to see. Uh, before I get into Countach. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys about uh, this Good Guys Rod and Custom show that's coming up. And then, Brad, tell us about going to the uh, to the Radford debut. Everybody's been hearing oh, about the radio. <laughs> but uh, 
Let me tell you guys about the Good Guys Rod and Custom Association. It's coming to York, Pennsylvania for the second Grundy Collector Car Insurance Great American Nationals. I always love these car shows because they have wildly ridiculous long names. It's at the York Expo Center, August 20 through the 22nd. There's going to be over 2,000 classic cars and trucks on display with an autocross, a burnout competition, and vintage dragster exhibition. Plus, they have a huge swap meet and hundreds of cars for sale as well. You know, there's going to be uh, fun for the whole family. There's live entertainment. There's the model and pedal car display. And there's a whole uh, kid zone that's free for kids as well. Tickets go on sale. Now you can go to goodguys.com. It's good-guys.com. Kids under under six are free. But if you uh, want to buy a regular ticket, use CarCast as your promo code for $5 off your spectator ticket. It's goodguys.com, promo code CarCast. All right. So first of all, Radford uh, did this debut. They'll tell us about their car. Uh, have we figured out the association between the Radford high-performance driving school and the Radford car company because they're using the same logo. So at first I was like, it's coincidence, and now there's got to be some association. So, Well, no, um, there's definitely because uh, Jensen Button and, uh, and Ant have been over there promoting it every chance they get, you know, over there driving cars, doing testing and promoting it. So there's certainly uh, an, another tie-in there. You know, it's another part of their company, I guess. Okay, so Radford is uh, – well, I, we don't know everybody behind the scenes or the investors, but a, uh, a, a, as a face of the company, we've got Jensen Button, a F1 driver, who's been instrumental in dialing in the suspension of this car. Uh, Ant Anstead, our friend and TV host and uh, builder, yes. has been kind of overseeing the overall build of the car. And then uh, Mark Stubbs, uh, designer – um, was he at uh, Aston and Mazda? I forgot where he's he been. Was. A few different places, yeah, a few yeah. places, and he kind of penned this thing. But uh, tell us, tell us about the car and the event you went to. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you the very first thing about the event was that they um, they had moved it a couple times because of you know regulations and things like that, and it wound up being at the Lion Air Museum, which is a giant airplane hangar uh, that. Is, is very much like, uh, you know, if you go up to uh, where you just were up at uh, Monterey and you go to the uh, Wednesday night party that Gordon McCall always Oh, yeah, has. the Jet Center you know, party. It's very much like that. Huge hangar. So it's like being outdoors. It's not like being indoors because the hangar door is open, the cars are outside, and the, and the party's kind of in the open door area. It's 100 degrees. <laughs> now, we've been to how many countless automotive unveilings, parties at Monterey, and, um, you know, I mean, you might throw on a, a sport coat or something like that, but for the most part, you're not expected to, you know, dress up. Well, they put out a, a promo, and it showed all three of the guys in tuxes, and it said, black tie optional. Yeah. I thought it was, I got to admit, I thought it was tongue-in-cheek, okay, because... English guys having <laughs> yeah, yeah. fun, black tie optional. And I was coming from another thing that I, another engagement that I had. We were doing some video work up in LA, ran late like it always does. And so I came directly there. I had slacks on, I had a button up shirt, had some nice shoes, but I knew I was in trouble the minute 
the Uber dropped me off because uh, the people in front of me, the woman was in a gown, the guy's in a black suit with a shirt and tie. And I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and uh, I walked in and uh, <laughs> you know, you're in trouble when you walk up to the, uh, to the, you know, the, the table where you check in yeah. as you do at many of these events. And the two women there look at me and they go, can we help you? <laughs> and I go, and I go, yeah, um, I'm on the list. And the one girl goes, Oh, what's your name? And I tell her, and she, she goes, she looks at the other woman and goes, uh, Brad Fanshawe. And she goes, surprisingly, she looks up with a surprise look and she goes, yeah, he's on the list. <laughs> I don't know why he's there, but he's on the list. That's right. And so I walk in, and um, as I had mentioned to you, they did this thing right. It it was much more like a Hollywood premiere than a unveiling because the very first thing is most step and repeats at these automotive events, even the large car companies, are usually eight foot by maybe you know eight by ten. They had a Hollywood step and repeat with a full camera crew, a person interviewing. The step and repeat was 25 feet long by probably 10 foot tall. And uh, I walk up to the step and repeat. I look into the room and it was a sea of black and gown. <laughs> I have a white sports shirt on, blue slacks, and I have these really nice white shoes on. But it was one of those where it was like, okay, either I turn around and leave now, or I just own the room. I just own the room, man. I just walked in like, hey, I don't care. And uh, um, I did run into Ant, and he was very gracious. I explained. I said, I apologize. I had to come right from another event in L.A., and uh, he goes, you look smashing. Don't worry about it. As he was probably thinking, don't ever invite him again. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Yeah, but uh, but it was fun. I uh, I did have someone come up to me later in the evening that said, um, I, are you really famous? And I said, excuse me? And she said, well, me and my friend were talking. And we said, that guy either just doesn't give a shit and is so confident <laughs> or he's really famous. And I said, well, uh, no, I'm not famous. <laughs> so but it was fun. But um they they did have uh, a lot of people there. Um, a lot of they had a full camera crew filming, and the unveiling of the car was very dramatic. They had it draped out there with the sunset, and uh, they had the original Type sixty two sitting just out of camera shot, so you could kind of look at where the design inspiration came from. And I was really impressed. Uh, the The car looked smashing, <laughs> and uh, and. And they talked about the rear wings, how there was a give and take. Would they include them? Glad they did. I think the rear wings really made the car. And as you saw up in Monterey, um, it's got some really dynamic, good lines. Has a little bit of that uh, early Ford uh, GT40 styling around the around the roof line and yeah. the way the doors are situated. But, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the six-cylinder... Uh, and um, the stance, the um, the way they are using uh, the electronics, you know, kind of that old and new, as well as the uh, the rear facing cameras and the mirrors that are actually cameras. I think they've done a nice job and stayed true to the original just enough uh, to where they can bring in that Radford name, and uh, it'll be you know interesting. Sixty two are being built, 
uh, and uh, very limited production. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. So let's talk about the car for a second. Uh, I don't know how much of the specs that you recall, but um, the car, because it's a partnership with Lotus, is built on Mm -hmm. the Avora platform. It does still have the supercharged Toyota V6 in it. Now, they've they've tuned it to about 430 horsepower, I believe, in its base trim. And then they will have a 500 horsepower version of it where they go into the motor right. and they, they build the motor, pistons, crank, and the whole thing. Now, I believe the 430 horsepower version will be available with a manual transmission or a paddle shift uh, auto or DCT or something. But the 500 horsepower version, I think, will only have the DCT. I was going to say anyone who's buying the car is just going to get the 500 horsepower one anyway. But now I don't know that because some people may want the manual transmission. Now they fix right, have the six-speed manual or the seven-speed dual clutch. Right. That, that, those are the two options. Now, um, they through the bodywork, they were able to lengthen the car a little bit. Um, one of the issues with the Avora is it's a little tough to get in and out of, and uh, they were able to address that a little bit by, as you said, have the door the top of the door kind of extended to the roof area a little bit. So when you open the door, it kind of cuts out a portion of the roof um, and the door can swing out wide. So it's a little bit easier to getting in and out of it. So there's a few things that uh, they they really try to improve upon over the Evora. Uh The one thing I don't know for sure is the price. And I heard rumors that it was going to be, you know, in the 400 plus range. Um, I'm not sure if you heard anything about this. Have not heard any mention of price whatsoever. So, uh, I heard sub 500. And I was like, are we really talking like 400 and something thousand dollars? And uh, the car looks cool, but that's a that's a big that's a big number, especially when you're considering, you know, what does an Avora cost? And it's still got the Toyota engine in it. It's not anything more unique or bespoke. You know, had they said, oh, we're doing 62 of these, but, you know, we went to Cosworth and had them develop a lightweight proprietary turbo engine, you know, something along the lines of that. Uh, I don't know. I was kind of expecting, you know, about 100000 over the Evora, uh, you know, whatever the Evora is, hundred grand, Evora S, maybe a little more than that. So I don't know, somewhere in the two to two fifty range, and if it's going to be in the four fifty range, this is a this is a tough one. I'm with you because uh, I was expecting in the like quarter million dollar range, yeah. And when they started talking those kind of numbers, I was very surprised. I, I was, yeah. Now, I, as you said, there's not that uniqueness, right. that you're looking for in that range. It, Again, the price hasn't been confirmed. This is just what I've heard. Uh, you know, I I get Car-cast it. Car speculation you is know, what you're saying. Look, it's it's tough to it's tough to do a project like this, especially the first one, and and have a viable business model that that's going to make sense. So, uh, the amount of look, I you've been in the custom car world, building vehicles for SEMA and whatnot, and you know, from the clay modeling of a car to building one-off fascias front and rear and, 
you know, things like that. You have an idea of what that stuff costs. You have an idea of the resources of it. And, you know, to to do that and then sort of mass produce this. By the way, carbon fiber body. So here's right. another thing is it, the carbon fiber body certainly adds a weight reduction, which is important to this car. But if you're only making 62, does the carbon fiber body – Add eighty thousand dollars to the price, you know. Like if you think about back in the day, uh, you know, people like the Celine S Seven is wildly expensive. It's like yeah, because the carbon fiber body is made by the only one large enough with an autoclave to 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 make that body. It was like in Italy, and the body alone was like one hundred twenty thousand dollars for that car. Right. right. It, was, it was a ridiculously priced, right? Something like that. I don't know if it was 80000 or 150000 but it was really expensive for the body on that S7. <laughs> uh, now, prices have got come down quite a bit, but yeah, if you're doing a, a carbon fiber body for something like this uh, Type 62 uh, 2, and then you have to kind of think, I don't know, like if they make 62 cars, do they got to get 80 bodies or 100 bodies? What if one of them gets banged up or something like what do you what do you do you got to have a, a if you're working with a a big manufacturer like lotus you know uh, and it's not a small one-off you know or limited company there's probably some rules where they say aftermarket parts or, or replacement parts need to be available within a certain quantity of making the part you know tail lights headlights door handles like you know, those things need to be available. And if the most unique piece is a carbon fiber body, uh, I don't know, sounds sounds expensive. Well, no, you're, you're absolutely right. You can't just make um, what you need for those 62 production because what if one gets banged up on the way to the dealership and you have to have replacement parts for the guys. So there are no economies of scale. You know, you, you sit there and there's there's not like when you make hundreds of thousands of cars where you have these economies of scale and that does ratchet up the price especially when you start working in more exotic materials like carbon fiber and things of that nature so it, it will happen uh, the um the the other thing is that uh as you said all of this um you know all of the electronics all of the things that have to be programmed just for that vehicle yeah you know, you're only scaling them over 62 vehicles, so it uh, it's going to raise that price. But um, you know, how many other people are involved? You know, that have to. You know, w- when you start getting a large group working in another group, that's where things always get a little bit murky, and uh, that could be some of what they're suffering from. All right, so moving on, did you get a chance to look at the Lamborghini Countach? It certainly got a lot of press, uh, a lot of opinions. <laughs> out there i have seen all of the photos unfortunately haven't seen it in person uh but i did hear from some people uh that it looks better in person than it does in the photos um i'm i'm actually uh a fan of everything except for the price and uh you know i i don't have a problem like some people oh it varies they all vary i mean come on this is not trying to be the car of the 80s it's trying to take design inspiration from the 80s but wow 2.2 million dollars is that i, I believe that, that's what he told us um but also it doesn't matter because they're making 112 of them and they're already and they're spoken they're all done 
what they did was leading up to the event, they did one-on-one viewing sessions with potential customers and Countach owners and Lamborghini collectors. So, you know, like, you know, what Ferrari would do and, you know, things like that. And, uh, and every one of them got sold ahead of time. Now, uh, Chris and I went to the quail and we sort of had the luxury of seeing the car in person before seeing the photos, right? So the first time we saw the car was walking up to it from the distance, seeing the the side grill, the side uh, vent, and then walking up on it. Um, And then we uh, almost immediately, we got to jump on stage and interview the chief technology officer for our show, Going Racing. Uh Uh-huh. So... We kind of – we were able to see the car up close and dive into it before the photos, and I do think it looks cool. Yeah. I do think it's uh, it's an interesting piece. And look, all the car companies are trying to create value within their brand and resell value within certain cars by doing – special edition cars, right? You can do an Aston Martin. Here's a 007 version. We're only making 10 of them or or whatever, right? Look, even the Ford GT, right? They were going to make, what is it, 1,000 units, 250 a year for four years, something along the lines of that. And within that range, they launched heritage edition cars, the carbon fiber one. They just, uh, at Monterey, they launched the... uh, uh, the white and black uh, uh, special edition heritage car for the 4GT. They're only going to make a handful of those. Look at the heritage GTs from 05 and 06. If you, you know, you, you can spend $300,000 on a 4GT, but if you buy the Gulf Livery Heritage one, it's like $450,000. <laughs> right. right. And all they did was paint it that way. So I, I don't. I'm not saying, oh, it's an Aventador, it's a Scion, you know, who, I don't, and it doesn't really matter to me that much. Well, Um, one of the things also is everyone keeps comparing it to, uh, you know, trying to do a side-by-side comparison with the 80s Countach that was on everybody's poster on their wall with the, you know, the the dual wings and the exaggerated flares. But when you look at some of... uh, Lamborghini's materials, they're going clear back to the original one. And if you look at it side by side with the original one, it's very close. Then they brought in some of the styling cues from okay, the so 80s, like the rear vents and the big ducks and like that. You brought up a good point. When we spoke to Mauricio, is it Maurice, Maur- Mauricio? <laughs> he says it with a really interesting, it's not Mauricio, it's like M U M Mauricio. Mauricio? Yeah. When we spoke to him, he said the Countach over its, whatever, 30 years of production, uh, or uh, that wasn't the influence for the car. It was the original Countach concept yeah. car. And if you look at this car, in the front grille, very, you know, it's sort of in that little smiley face, it's spelled out Lamborghini. And he said that's the only car to have that other than the concept car. You know, the other cars don't have the script in there. So that was really the influence. And the story behind it was the concept car at that point was 
the most advanced car. It was supposed to be about the future of where Lamborghini was going. And that's what mm-hmm. this car was supposed to be doing is what sort of technology and things can they put into this car to to emphasize the future of Lamborghini. This isn't supposed to be just an homage to the Countach. It's mostly to the Countach concept car. It had some cool features. It has a... If you look on the roof, it looks like it has a little mohawk, and it's uh, like a black stripe on the roof, which is a glass piece that is the uh, the electroluminescent. You hit it, it's translucent. You hit it again, it's opaque, and it's all electronic. Uh, uh, by the way, we're seeing more and more of these supercar companies doing that. They have such tiny cockpits uh, where, where you're in there and you're sitting to create some light and some sparseness to it. They're putting a glass panel, but they don't want it to open or leave it open all the time. And, you know, so they're doing this uh, this feature. Well, we've uh, driven the McLaren. The McLaren had it, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think an early McLaren had a button that was on and off. And then it was confusing because mm-hmm. when we got in the 720s, you're like, I don't know how to go on and off, but it's a slider. It's like a digital slider with your finger, and you can change the levels of opaqueness. Choose the, it's like a dimmer switch. Yeah, yeah. it's like a dimmer switch. Uh, so anyway, the Countach is built on the, the Cyan, I believe, the Cyan's. Uh, platform for the most part. It does have a hybrid powertrain. It's 803 combined horsepower. It's uh, it's 6.5 liter naturally aspirated V12 combined with an electric powertrain. By the way, the, the electric motor is only 34 horsepower, but it's really about how it's being how it's being used. Expect zero to sixty in two point eight, maybe two point seven seconds, and a top speed of two hundred and twenty one miles per hour. Uh, revised suspension. It's got the magnetic ride in it. It's got carbon ceramic brakes. It's got six six piston calipers in the front, four piston in the rear. Uh, it's 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 impressive. It's a pretty cool. It's a pretty it's cool a cool car. car. And it's, I am waiting for the Jalpa, though. The yeah, rework the, of the Oh, Jalpa. the Yelpa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of liked it as the V8 car. Man, if it wasn't for Rocky. I love those cars. I wanted to buy one many times, and I wished I would have. I think there's one on Bring a Trailer right now. Yeah, for a lot more than I want to pay for yeah. it. I, I liked them when they were in the 30s. So uh, Anyway, some good stuff uh, uh, happening up at Monterey. There's a lot more to talk about. I think Adam and I will get into a little bit more this week. Let me tell you guys about Geico. You know, whether you own your home or rent your home, we know it can be a lot of hard work, but you know it's easy. It's bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing because you already have so much to do around your home already. Just go to geico.com and get a quote and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. Uh, before we wrap it up, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk because we were out of town, but spent some time in the Kia Telluride. Now, not a new vehicle; it's been out for uh, it's been out for a few years now. Um, I just never got a chance to really spend some time with it. Uh, a few revisions uh, over the years; it's got a little bit bigger, like touchscreen and stuff going on uh, right now. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I am impressed with it. It's, uh, it's got the V6. It's 291 horsepower. I believe it's naturally aspirated. Uh, probably gets you in that 7 seconds, 7.1 second, uh, 0 to 60 time. Um, it's got uh, 
it's got a fantastic interior. I mean, the one that I drove had a, a lot of the features, kind of the the stitching, kind of diamond stitch, but not all the way through, and vented and heated seats, and um, the material seemed uh, seemed good. The look of it seems uh, is nice. Um, I I felt like it's a little bit sportier than you would think um, for a for a large kind of three row of SUV. It, it feels a little more like like a wagon than it does an SUV. I felt like it handled pretty well, and I thought the power was decent. Uh, the sound system was good. Uh, uh, you know, three row, plenty of storage. And I'll tell you, I I think the one I I drove base priced at about forty four thousand and fully equipped was fifty thousand bucks. Now we've said in the past that. Some of these brands, you know, especially their higher end brand like uh, Genesis, uh, which I I drove to Vegas for the Bear Jackson auction, which was gorgeous. Everyone's like, "Nice Bentley," and I was like, "Yeah, I think that's what they're going for." Um, <laughs> I like that that car. Um, you know, it's not a Bentley. There's a few things you you notice. You know, just like the dial for the infotainment system felt a little light and plasticky if they gave it more of a hefty kind of aluminum feel to it some of the switches and stuff like that and i know you don't futz around with the rear view mirror much once you set it you set it and forget it but when you do set it it feels like a cheap piece of plastic but that's where the, some of the cost savings are coming from but if we've always said oh maybe you don't want to spend seventy thousand dollars on a genesis so uh, we've said, you know what? That's fine. People are leasing them for two or three years. Pick one up for thirty grand, <laughs> you know, on a lease back exactly. with, with, with yeah. twenty eight thousand miles on it. I think you'll get yourself a really nice car. But uh, the Kia Telluride, I was impressed. And for fifty grand, I mean, I don't know. You could say oh, I'm not going to spend fifty grand on a Kia. I'm like, look at what you're getting. First of all, it looks good. Nobody cares that it's a Kia or not. As a matter of fact, their quality has really come up a lot. They're getting pretty good uh, ratings. Uh, and people are starting to say, that's it. People are starting to say, Ooh, I like the Kia. Um, and you look, maybe you're leasing it or, you know, you've got a business or some sort of write-off or something that you're doing. It's definitely worth taking a look at. And when I started talking about it earlier, people were commenting and saying, Oh, I have one. I love it. I have one and I love it. So that's kind of the thing is, is, do, are people buying them, having a good time with them, and are they turning out to be reliable? Uh, now, you haven't driven one yet. Have you been in one? You're I, seeing them around. I the, have not been in one, but I'm telling you, I see them everywhere in my neighborhood. It's like um, I, I've got to say, I'm seeing less of the GMC and Chevrolets yeah. and more of the Kias now. I think that's what people are switching over to it, it seems to be or the key is just stands out. yeah it, it just stands out as noticeable you yeah. know when you see the telluride going down the street you kind of think it's a range rover and then you see the sort of the distinctive headlights like the running lights and then right. you go oh that's that's the telluride so anyway it's it's nice it's impressive i think if you get an opportunity i'd like to drive one yeah you know if if you guys listening are are interested in a three row SUV and you're you're at your grocery shopping or at the gym and you see a Telluride, 
um, walk up on it and peek in the interior. Maybe it's a little creepy, especially if someone's in there. But uh, <laughs> but uh, maybe, or if they're uh, walking out with their groceries, yeah, and yeah. looking in, and you're like, I've been waiting for you to open your door. <laughs> uh, peek inside. It's it's it looked uh, it looked pretty good. The one thing I'm going to say is, are we done with piano black? Let's be done with piano black on the interiors. It smudges. It scratches. It's a pain in the ass. Let's do something different, maybe something with a little bit of a texture. So, you know, when the dog's sitting on the center console and turning the heat seaters on and off and the windows are going up and down, or if you're, or if you're Aaron Hagar's case, you're throwing your dog out the door. <laughs> Opening the door, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you missed that on, uh, on Shift and Steer, Aaron was driving as many as 60, 1960 Mini, and his little dog, Pastel, got up on the door handle. Uh, and on the you know the armrest on the door, and there's a button that opens the door, and he stepped on it, and he w- basically was going flying out the door, but he had his harness on, and uh, uh, the door flew open. Little pester goes flying out. Aaron's freaking out, catches the harness, pulls him back in, and um, Pesto's like didn't give a shit. He was fun. <laughs> I think Aaron shit himself. Pesto was fine, but Pesto uh, was like, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah, but anyway. Uh, Kia Telluride, I like it. I'm a fan. I've got to drive to Vegas this weekend. I kind of wish I had the Telluride to do it, but um, uh, I've switched over to Toyota RAV4 Hybrid. Now, you guys know that uh, I got my mom the Toyota RAV4 Hybrid, and she loves it. Um, I think it's great. But this new one is a plug-in hybrid, so I can plug it in and get a certain amount of charge and it gets you, I don't know how many miles. I haven't seen more than like eight or ten miles, but uh, on pure EV. But um, when it's in hybrid mode, and I'm using a lot of the, uh, you know, where where I live and where my warehouse is, the Mat Cave is only a couple miles away. I almost do it completely on EV. So when you look at the gauge cluster, it's like you've been averaging seventy eight miles per gallon. <laughs> you know they they You're not going to make Vegas on the, on EV though that's the no you won't get you won't you won't get to the freeway just on EV but I will <laughs> tell you uh, I plugged it in a few times and I was just doing that short two mile trip when they deliver it delivered it I think it said the total range was 388 miles I've been in it for like four days and it says 386 miles like I've basically just been on EV the whole time and. I noticed this in my mom's car as well. She's got the hybrid, but not the plug-in hybrid. So it just it charges it when it needs it. The hybrid version is quicker than the regular version. You know, uh, the well, electric motors that even just the small electric motor with a little bit of that torque off the line, it it does seem to help. And a little trick that I figured out. I'm not sure if this is still the case, but when I got hers, which is like a year or two old, is She's going to get this car and probably going to be the last car she has, right? She's, you know, uh, she's owned cars for 10, 12 years at a time. So this is going to last. I specifically got the hybrid because the powertrain warranty on that car is way better than the non-hybrid version. Because people think, oh, what about battery? What is the, the life of the battery? And it's something like 10 years on that on that battery. So uh, I ended up getting a little bit more power 
and the better warranty. So one thing to look into, if you're a car keeper, if you're keeping cars 8, 10 years, something like that. Who does that? Yeah, Brad, who does that? Brad's repainted his cars nine times. (laughs) I don't paint them. What are you talking about? It keeps them forever. Is Look, if you're looking into the – into the warranties of these cars, if you look at – if you're shopping between the hybrid and the non-hybrid version of a particular vehicle, pay attention to the warranties uh, and pay attention to the increase in price for the hybrid. But if you're keeping the car, what is the warranty worth and what is the fuel savings worth to you in in dollars? Um, not just dollars, but convenience. If, as Adam always says, he goes, I don't mind a gas engine car. He goes, I just hate going to the gas station, <laughs> right? That's the biggest pain in the ass. Uh, so I don't know. It's uh, something else to think about. I'm As we get into almost everything becoming electric or EV at some point, uh, we'll we'll pay more attention to this uh, down, down the lineup. You know, look, Dodge, all their muscle cars are going to go to some sort of EV or, EV or hybrid. Rumor is... This Mustang platform, probably before it's even done, could end up as a as a hybrid of some sort. Uh, well, with but, California mandates, you know, yeah. everybody's got – all the manufacturers got to look at it because they sell a lot of cars there. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead and wrap things up. Anything else? Uh, anything we're missing, Brad? I don't think so. I think uh, I was missing Monterey and yeah. the historics and all that, but uh, it'll have to wait till next year because they're all over. All right. Well, listen. If you uh, if you like this uh, jibber jabber that Brad have, then by all means, tune into our Shift and Steer podcast. It's at shiftandsteer dot com. Of course, it's on iTunes and Podcast One. Join us with Aaron Hagar, the Cackle King, and uh, <laughs> uh, it's a fun Boy, show. It's it's a fun show for us to do as well. Uh, and be sure to check out Brad's company, Bond Speed Wheels. Uh, you guys have seen the wheels on my 93 Cobra, which Brad is going to be making center caps for. Yes. little yes, reminder, center caps for. Uh, and uh, the Ford Lightning wheels that uh, uh, that have gotten a lot of attention online. And I appreciate uh, Brad made those as well. So check out Bond Speed Wheels. They got some cool stuff. I got steering wheels and other things as well. Uh, but uh, uh Doing it for a long time. Great quality stuff. So check that out. Uh, I think that's it. Brad, where are you on the social medias? Hey, find me mostly on Instagram at Bradley underscore Fanshaw. And uh, I'm on Twitter and uh, and uh, Facebook, but I uh, do a lot of stuff on Instagram. Check it out there. And, uh, you know, hey, you, if you're also into podcasts, check out Man Seeks Adventure that I do with Dave Merrick. Awesome. Uh Chris uh, popped his Bravago cherry this weekend. <laughs> yeah. we, we were drinking Bravago. What do you this, think? It's not so bad. This weekend I became a man. It's, I, I, am, yeah. I am a Bravago boy. It's uh, it's good stuff. Um, I love it. Stuff, it's, it's the man. best. I mean, it's the best seltzer I've ever had. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, we had uh, we had uh, some people come by the come by the track. We brought a cooler full of it and. Um, uh, we had some fun. We were just rolling camera and just trying to to get some people's initial reactions, and people seem to really seem to really like it. So uh, that's good. It's a good testament of of trying to make a, a good product. So we're going to get rid of all that other swill that uh, Chris has on his other podcast yeah. with the boys. Oh, yeah. I can't believe it. Drinking well, I'm that crap, with Chris. Though <laughs> it, I, I've tried so many of them in in Vegas when we had it at Barrett Jackson. 
that's all I drink. I usually am a cocktail guy, you yeah. know, and I drank Bravago all weekend. It was great. Well, I, I appreciate that. We're getting a little bit closer in September, maybe mid and September. Uh, we'll have online sales. So you'll be able to buy it online. We'll ship to 29 states. Uh, it's a it's a big licensing nightmare, but we're going to make it happen. Um, all right, so Goldberg, good luck at uh, SummerSlam. I'm going to head out there this weekend. Maybe we'll have him on the show next week. Hopefully, he'll be back and relaxed, and uh, we can get into what happened. Hopefully, he's not damaged either. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.